Hello and welcome to another episode of the Broadband Bunch. I'm Pete Pizzatello and I am joined today by Jeff Neblett. He is the CEO of ISPN Network Services and Eyeglass Networks. Jeff, hey, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Pete. I'm, I'm really happy to, uh, to be a guest here today. Yeah, we got some pretty interesting topics I think are really relevant for all the chaos that's happening in the marketplace. Um, but before we dig into that, it just really be helpful to understand how did you end up um, running ISPN Network Services and iGlass Networks? You know, what, what was your path to where you are today? Awesome. Yes, I'm, I'm happy to share that. And, and actually, my, um, my colleague and both ISPN and iGlass's president and uh, CFO uh, was on the broadband bunch about two years ago. So uh, that's right. I was jealous he got the first pass, uh, you know, on the podcast. But uh, but I'll but I'll take it. And um, and and unfortunately, this year I haven't been able to make it to as many uh, industry events um, as I'd like to. Uh, so it would have been nice to do this in person. But uh, but really happy to be here. Uh, yeah, a bit a bit of my background. So uh, I actually joined ISPN as CEO in February 2020. So ISBN has been around uh, since 1994. So really long standing, enduring business uh, focused on the telecom and broadband space. But I joined the business along with Scott um, through an acquisition. And, and in that acquisition, uh, the, the founder and CEO, he was in his mid 70s, uh, it was a family run business, he decided to exit the business and uh, we got to know the family and management really well. And, and they said, hey, we, we love the idea of you and Scott taking a proactive approach to management. So, so not only investing in the business, but actually joining the business in a leadership capacity. So the thought process being, thought process being hey, uh, we could join ISBN and, and, and take it to 2.0, right? It, it was a legacy business, had done a lot of great things, but... Yeah. Um, but wanted to continue investing in it and growing in it. So um, been with the, the company for about uh, three and a half years. And most recently in March, we actually acquired another business out of North Carolina, um, Eyeglass Networks. Um, and Eyeglass Networks is a network monitoring business. They have a 24-7 knock. Um, it is in, I mentioned uh, North Carolina, but uh, right outside of Raleigh. So in Cary, North Carolina. Um, it's really important for us to, to have that U.S. Uh, base, and, and it offers a, a complementary service to, to ISBN. So now we are uh, helping run, operate, and grow both businesses with a focus on the community broadband space. Yeah, that your, your journey sounds very familiar to mine, so uh, I understand kind of where you're going. Um, so you guys are working with um, community broadband leaders and uh, operators, you know, so what is it that you guys are running into right now as kind of the major challenges that they're dealing with? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think uh, especially the last year and a half, something we hear uh, a lot of is, is staffing problems, uh, scarcity of, of talent and expertise. Um, you know, I know the Fiber Broadband Association, I know NTCA, they have a, a bunch of training programs they're implementing knowing there's a lot of growth in this industry, but uh, there is a lack of, of skilled personnel um, who can help deploy those networks, help support those networks. So that, that's one thing we certainly see on our end, especially in our line of business, uh, doing customer support, managed services, uh, and network monitoring for these, these ISPs is that, hey, you might not be able to find the right people or some of those people 
uh, might be retiring, right? They've been around for a while and, and it's ready to, uh, ready to retire. Another thing we're seeing is um, in this space, there's definitely been, a, I think, a history of a lot of different systems. It, something that amazed me when, when I came in to telecom, and, and that only being three and a half years ago, is that uh, you know these broadband providers use a lot of different technologies and systems. And if you think about the swivel chairing between, you know, different screens, different systems, that's a lot for, for folks to learn and to manage. So something um, I'm, I'm seeing, I think, change and a focus on is, is kind of reducing that, that, uh, that sprawl of systems. Yeah, 100% technical complexity seems to be a massive crippler in, uh, in these size, in all these organizations, but it's the smaller you get the the more significant that becomes. Right, exactly. And there can be a lot of risk if you're, you know, depending on, um, you know, certain folks managing or, or, or um, understanding several of those different tools and systems. Um, just to add on to that, one of the things that we see people focusing on is really um, focus on the subscriber, right? So historically, as you mentioned, this was about the system specifically around billing systems. I think people kind of build the organizations around that because it makes sense, it pays the bills, but consumer expectations have shifted and, and subscribers uh, have are, are more tech savvy. Plus, like you mentioned, there's less and less skilled resources around. So trying to help um, the subscriber do more self-service, get more intelligence is is something uh, that we see. Do you, do you see uh, any, in, when you're talking to the market, any of those kind of conversations? Uh, yes, I, I certainly see the the move there. Uh, I, you know, a lot of the the partner providers we work with, uh, we, we refer to our customers as our partners because we see them as an extension of our team. But um, a lot of them are are moving towards hey, getting more to the fingertips of the subscribers. Hey, if, if they want to add a new service, you know, at any time, can they do that? Can they do that online? Um, can they get answers to their questions quicker? Uh, you know, and as us serving as that frontline customer support um, from the ISPN side, um, it's really important to us. And, and you see uh, an increasing need of, of data to drive, you know, insights on the, the ISP side. Um, what are what are subscribers asking when they're calling in? Right. So what are they asking for? Uh, what are their problems? And, and from there, well, how can that lead to us? changing the experience and improving it for them so they're no longer having issues right are they calling in they keep hitting um you know they got 20 devices connected to their network and they keep hitting uh they keep adding speed issues right well maybe that maybe there's a need there for them to upgrade to a, a, a higher tier right and if you know what's important to us at ispn is making sure the providers we work with get those levels of insights so they can take action on those and and therefore inc improve the subscriber experience and and you know from there subscriber retention and all of that um i also see you know we're also seeing a lot on um on the network monitoring side how reliable is your network what's your uptime how often are there outages and why um so you know those are really important questions that, that providers are asking yeah, I mean, so it's kind of an added on to what you just mentioned. You know, the company, the company, the industry has been um, dominated by 
hardware, right? And all the different types of hardware it takes to deliver services. And then I feel like software has been a laggard, but now what you're talking about is kind of an advanced move of not only having the systems in place, but the, uh, the insight and the intelligence to, to do something with all that data that's coming to you as a network operator. Um, what's that maturity like for network operators? And do you see folks, um, being able to, um, evolve and step into trying to figure out how to look at um, performance or, or engagement of customers? Yes. I mean, I, I think, you know, the good news is there, there's just a lot more in the way of technology and tools to provide those insights. Um, the customers we see that are the most forward thinking are, are taking that next level and diving into um those kind of questions, right? And, and thinking about software services that uh, can get them those answers quicker. So, um, you know, I, I think back to, you know, recent customer conversation we had, it goes back to like the system sprawl a little bit, but, you know, they did a big review recently and, and they've been, they, they realized they had a vendor, a software and vendor list that was 13 to 14 you know, different vendors, you know, mm -hmm. all different systems. They had folks lo uh, logging into, et cetera. And, and a big initiative of theirs was to just simplify that, right? Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons we uh, acquired Eyeglass is when we think about the network monitoring side, there's a lot of different systems um, depending on the hardware, depending on the network. You know, you might have fixed wireless, you might have some fiber, you might use... Adtran, Calix, you know, a million other different types of, of uh, networking gear out there, you might be logging into four or five different systems to get a holistic view of your subscriber base and the network, you know, outages and things like that. So on the eyeglass side, they've actually built a platform where we can take all that data and all the, those network elements and use a, we have a single pane of glass where you have the visibility and we have the eyes on that glass in our knock to make sure we're looking at all the alerts that are coming in and, and what's happening across the network. So basically reducing um, some of that, that sprawl you see. Yeah, so I want to get back to your original point around um, you know, the, the skilled personnel shortage, right? So we see a lot of different strategies there trying to reskill existing st staff or steal from other industries. Um, but the model that um, is interesting is, is kind of the partnering with the managed service providers like yourselves, right? So, you know, when does that make sense? If I'm a network operator, I have all these challenges going on, you know, what does the environment look like for me to decide, okay, I, I can't grow this my own. I need to look for somebody to help kind of outsource this function or at least support or into your term partner in this function. Yeah, that's a great, uh, great question, Pete. I, I think, um, you know, there's several cases where, where it'll make sense. I'll give a few examples and, and maybe talk about some trends that we're seeing. Um, I, a couple recent customer signs on our end. Uh, so one was a, uh, a telephone company, uh, mostly fiber out of Wyoming, about 10,000 subscribers. But given the macroeconomic and labor environment uh, recently, they, they were really having troubles keeping their um, support staff, right? And, and just, and, and then training new support staff. And, and that's not what they wanted to be doing, right? They wanted to be focused on improving their network, building out more fiber, marketing, a lot of other things. 
great. Um, so we we signed them. Uh, it was actually a few months ago, just because they, they they knew that is a big piece of our bread and butter, right? Like, hey, you guys do that. That shouldn't be our focus. You could do it better than us. So why don't we partner with a managed service provider who knows our industry well and can allow us to focus on what what our differentiators might be in our market and and Pete, I know you know like the the competitive dynamics right in within broadband are, are only increasing right all the government money coming um, just areas are getting a bit more competitive so I do think when you as these community focused broadband providers these rural operators think about their differentiators how do they differentiate themselves from the big big folks uh, it might make sense to outsource uh, aspects to uh, managed service providers that really know their industry and their subscribers well. Um, do you, just just a point on that. Do you get any uh, pushback in terms of fear of because that's a pretty intimate connection, right? My letting access, giving access to my subscribers to a third party. Um, is there some and the same as the data? Is there some hesitancy within the network operators about that? And and if so, you know what what are some of the things you do to work through those issues with them? Yes, yeah, so it's, it's, it's certainly a, a great question. And, and occasionally you do, right? And, 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 um, and I understand that. I think ultimately, um, we really, a lot of times we see ourselves, uh, the ISPN helped us side of things. If you think about just end user, technical or customer support, we often see ourselves as, as augmenting internal teams where uh, our partner providers come to us and they actually think, hey, we'd rather have our folks focusing on a few other things, right? It might be outbound calling to the local market to to drum up uh, additional subscribers. It might be uh, tier two, tier three issues, right? So, so a lot of times folks will use us to augment their internal teams. And then you also think about um, like overnights, overnights in a 24 seven mm-hmm. environment. It, it, we talk about when would it make sense to use someone um, in an outsourced capacity, well, staffing folks overnight, handling you know all the the systems, et cetera, the complex complexity of that can be daunting uh, and not really fun, right? So, um, so that that's when a lot of times where it really really makes sense. You want to be able to advertise that it, that you are available twenty four seven, and you could get someone on the phone or via chat, et cetera, who can solve your problem. Who can who can help you and not just be kind of an answering service and, and a lot of times you, you make that argument and people understand hey it really does make sense for us to, to outsource that but you still maintain that local field right you still have your you a lot of times your your local csrs or um support staff that still have that day-to-day contact whether it's in the field or in the local office right so so what i hear you saying it's not all or none that there's step there's ways to augment your current practices to shed some of the lower, you know, high frequency, lower value tasks to let the folks, your few key folks focus on some of the things that are really going to move the needle in terms of growing your business or keeping your customers happy. Is that, is that what you're saying? Exactly. And, yep. and the other thing to think about when outsourcing to a managed service provider is it's just like economies of scale, right? Because you as a smaller provider may not have the access or the, the skill set internally, et cetera, to more complex tools or systems. Um, and, and what I like 
about you know what we do at ISBAN and at iGlass is that we make the investment at a larger scale, and then we enable that rural operator with only you know three four thousand subscribers to get a piece of that scale because they they can buy our services and our technologies you know at a fraction of the cost where they couldn't make that full investment to you know maybe the 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 contact center suite some of the ai tools we use etc in-house so so i think there's an aspect of that too yeah, you're listening to the Broadband Bunch, and we've been speaking with Jeff Damblet. He's the CEO of ISPN Network Services and Eyeglass Networks. Um, so, Jeff, you've mentioned a couple times that you've recently added the uh, Eyeglass Networks to your portfolio. So, you had your core business, you added the network knock capabilities. You know, what's your thinking there in terms of why did that? Why does that one plus one equal three for you for your, you and your customers? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Pete. I, I- I think for us, it, you know, as we examined the ISPN suite of services and what would make sense uh, to, to add to that suite and where would it make sense to, to go deeper, the last few years we've been thinking about it and, and, it, and network monitoring and not kept coming to the top of the list. And we actually got to know um, the Eyeglass team. We, we first approached them about partnering and then uh, partnering with them and then got to meet the founders. And what I loved about the Eyeglass team was a lot of their core values and their purpose was really rooted uh, in, in a similar way to that of ISPN. So ISPN's purpose is to help people stay connected. And that is exactly what Eyeglass is doing with their, um, with their monitoring portal and their 24-7 knock. And uh, one of their values is customer-driven. One of our ISPN's values was customer-first. Both companies kind of see ourselves as extensions of the teams of the providers we work with. So, like, okay. I, a lot of this stuff resonated. Um, more specifically, when you just think about the market, um, having the knock and the network monitoring tightly integrated with the customer support or technical support of the side of the house is really, really valuable because we will have a we have a level of insights. Um, a level of knowledge of what's happening on the network side, and that directly impacts the customer experience, right? So we can immediately know, okay, there's a there's an outage or this some anomaly is happening here on the network side. It is impacting customers in XYZ areas. If they call in, we know what to tell them, right? So um, as we thought about some of the problems we're seeing with these with that that rural broadband operators are are confronting when it comes to whether it's staffing whether it's the systems and tool sprawl we talked about, uh, we thought, hey, uniting these two pieces is, is really powerful. Um, so, so excited to see. We're in the early innings of, of, of integrating and all that, but excited, excited to see where that goes. Yeah, so that, you know, we, I'm a firm believer in that type of continuity, right? Because, uh, you know, again, going back to the kind of, of how network operators have been constructed by these functional areas, the, the, the subscriber, the customer doesn't care about the different functions, right? They, they, everyone should have kind of the historical understanding of the relationship with that customer. Um, so I, having those tied together makes a ton of sense. So help me understand, similar to the customer service augmentation, how does, how does it, are, are you guys offering full operations services from iGlass or is it bolting into similarly the operational, um, you know, the kind of the lower 
automatable, I guess, operations and that your clients still have an operations team and you guys are really just supporting them? Is that how it works? Yeah, that's a great question. And it can, it can vary by, by partner. Um, so some folks utilize eyeglass and say, Hey, we actually just want, we love your, your monitoring platform. We, we still have our in-house staff, but they're going to use your monitoring platform and actually even follow the alerts from it, et cetera. A bunch of others, um, say, you know what, kind of similar to the help desk side, you have a 24 seven knock staff. They know what they're doing. I don't need, you know, Joe getting woken up in the middle of the night, uh, with random alerts. Like that's not a good employee experience. So you got, you handle all the, the alerts and remediation for those alerts. So it's a little bit of a mix of both. Um, but, but yeah, so, so it can be fully turnkey for others. It may be, uh, not. And, and sometimes that just depends on, on size or needs. Um, the other thing I would just mentioned between the two companies, we're now working with, uh, about 170, uh, community focused ISPs and, between the help desk, managed servers, uh, we the, the stuff we offer at ISPN, and then the network monitoring and knock, um, we service three million subscribers. So I, I'm pretty wow. excited yeah. to 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 gather more insights and share those insights with providers on how they can improve their networks, how they can benefit from re- the best practices we see across those 170 providers. Yeah, I was teed up my next question. So what are those best? I mean, so you have that purview, you have this historical view. What are some of the big things from an operational perspective that you that you, you know, are must-haves that operators should be thinking about? So I, I mean, when it when it comes to differentiating in the market, I do think the 24, I, I talked about it earlier, but just 24-7 uh presence in, in terms of someone being able to answer the phone, answering the chat. Uh, it, it's funny. I, I didn't realize how many folks would send people to a voicemail or um, just an answering service, someone who couldn't really troubleshoot issues uh, mm-hmm. after 5 p.m. So to me, if I'm you know, playing video games or trying to connect at home at 6 or 7, I have a problem. I don't really want to have someone take my phone number and call me back the next day. Right. Um, so I think that's a, a big differentiator. Um, on, on the operations side, I, I do think just being wary of, of a, again, many, many different systems with overlap where you're having to have people on your team enter data into different systems and, and they're not interconnected. They're not integrated. Uh, we've seen people run into trouble from that standpoint. What about AI, right? I mean, there's all this fuss over AI. How do you see that impacting both sides of the equation that you all are dealing with? Yeah, I mean, obviously right now it's like the, the topic of the, the last uh, three or four months and, um, and the disruptive power across you know, our industry and, and really every industry um, is, is pretty insane. But um, from... From ISBN standpoint, about two years ago, we did implement a, uh, on our QC and our QA team, we uh, implemented a call analytics, an AI tool that transcribed every single call and actually did some analysis on those calls and on, on how we were troubleshooting 
um, even sentiment analysis. Pretty pretty insane what some of these tools can do. So we kind of jumped on that bandwagon early, and it, it now allows us to. It has allowed us the last two years to to review every single one of our calls and then focus our teams in on on the segment of those calls where there needs to be more training, you know, or or hey, we need better tool set or access to tools to better troubleshoot. So it's been really impactful to our business. Um, and I think it's only going to grow for for the help desk side. Um, we're implementing a new contact center solution, which has a bunch of AI tools. And the thing that I'm excited about most is just is making both the customer experience and the employee, the agent experience better, right? So mm. how can we get the information to the fingertips on the on the agent side, I'm call it the ISBN help desk side, information to their fingertips quicker so they can troubleshoot faster, so they don't have to sift through things that may take time or may lead to a, a, a worse uh, customer experience, right? Right. And then on the customer experience side, I think, uh, you know, so things like self-service, um, a lot of other areas will be furthered pretty quickly with, with the growth in, in the advancements in AI. I mean, and, and, you know, on the network monitoring side, et cetera, um, it, it's, it's just going to lead to, in my opinion, better networks, better troubleshooting and a better customer experience. But uh, um, obviously, uh, things are moving rapidly. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of dubious uh, motives being, you know, mentioned around AV with the AI, but there are some really um, practical, beneficial uh, applications. And, and in this case, I mean, you, what you, you what I heard you said is um, you reviewed all of your calls and, and identified training opportunities, which is with 3 million subscribers, that's a lot of freaking calls to go through, you know? And so that's hard to do without any kind of, um, machine, uh, support. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Um, you know, so if, if we're talking to network operators, right, you're standing in the hallway in one of these conferences right now, and they're not sure where they are. Uh, what are some of the things that they can start doing today, um, to start tackling the challenges that we talked about, you know, besides, um, enlisting your help but what are some of the things they should be thinking about and lining up you know I, I, I as we think about the future of the industry and um competitive dynamics etc yeah I, I would just go back to like hey what really differentiates you from you know other providers or the bigger providers um and what's really your your bread and butter i to me the reason i love what I do and love this space and not having known it, you know, three and a half years ago, I'm, I'm, I'm still a newbie here, right? Like I'm, I'm learning so much, but I, I love the space because the, the sense of community and connection that uh, the rural broadband providers we work with day in, day out have is, is unbelievable. I mean, you don't, I really don't think you see that in a lot of other industries or a lot of other areas across the, the U S right. Like, yeah, um, so I, I was just I was amazed and just like even all the cooperatives out there and, and they all really do care about giving back. And I think to me, just just building on that sense of community and understanding and listening to the community and their needs is really important. Like a lot of the providers we work with uh, do such a great job within their community. They are the trusted, you know, technical expertise uh, within their community that, you know, they might not have um 
when I think about like like Best Buy or Geek Squad or other things where like, they may not have um, these other technical experts to help them repair things, et cetera, within their their local community. And, and a lot of a lot of folks turn to their their ISP who they trust to to help them through things like that. So there's going to be opportunities for rural broadband providers to bring more to the end user, right? right. To provide more. And a lot of value, not not just to make money, but actually to provide value to the end user. So, so my my feedback would just be listen to the customer and focus on community. Yeah, so you, I totally agree about the community thing, where this non competitive sharing cooperative um, uh, ethos is is strange but refreshing. You don't see it in other industries, so that's pretty amazing. But I would also say, you know, you've mentioned a couple times that you're relatively new to broadband SMI, but I would, the consumer expectation has been set by folks outside of broadband, right? I mean, telco and cable have always been bad at customer service anyways, but other people have been doing a great job. So I think what's, I think de-risks a lot of what we're talking about is there's models to look at. We don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? And there's a lot of people that have already solved this problem in different industries and reaching out to different industries to grab folks that have been there, have done that before, um, I think is a, is a good way to, um, kind of jumpstart and kind of change out the DNA in a, in a lot of cases, um, to start solving this problem. Is that, in, you understand what I'm saying? Oh, certainly I do. And, and, and I would say, you know, in this space, you also see, um, in, in some aspects, there's very old school way of thinking. Right. Um, and, and I do think to your point, you can look to other industries, how have they evolved, how they innovated more rapidly and, and, and just kind of take those learnings. So yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a great point. I mean, just go look at your health insurance, right? I mean, trying to find a claim and you get your chat bots and all the other stuff. There's some, something painful stuff, but there's a lot of analogs that can, that are applicable to this, uh, this space. Um, <clears throat> all right. Breaking out the crystal ball, just to keep moving. If you're looking forward, you know, where do you see us in 24 months? I mean, what do you think we're getting right? And what do you think we still have some work to do on to do in, in this area? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a great question. I by no means think I, you know, have a, a crystal ball. And I believe there are others who are, are much, much better educated on, on thinking about where we're going. But um, the, the increased demand that we've seen, it, it, COVID really shown, uh, shined a light on all of that. And um while it may slow down a little bit, there, there are plenty of, of rural areas that are either unserved or underserved. So, um, you know, just continuing to, to build out and focus on those communities is really important. And, um, I, I think with that, yeah, I talked earlier about c competition. I, I go back to that. I mean, um, certainly going to see increased, uh, competition among the ISPs, uh, in these spaces, whereas in the past there may not have been as much, um, consolidation is something we're seeing a lot of, or, you know, our, our customer base hasn't consolidated too much, but, uh, obviously there's a lot of money coming into the space, whether it's private equity, whether it's, uh, the government funding, et cetera, uh, there, there certainly is going to be a continued increase in consolidation among providers out there, their, their ownership groups, et cetera, that are aging out. So. Um, uh, those two areas, I, I, the other thing I'm, I mean, you know, I'm keeping an eye on is definitely on the technology side, just, um, 
fiber certainly is the future, but there are other technologies out there um, that uh, some somewhat are, you know, making traction like you know how t-mobile has been making some traction with their their mobile offering etc so um those areas i you know i'm focused on as well as just just ai and and Mm. and the rapidly advancing technology right yeah no i think you mentioned a lot of good stuff in there They, they can the consolidation one is interesting um you know part of that value proposition is how can you take on new networks new customers and new support faster, right? I mean, because that's kind of where all the the math is done. Um, so it should be interesting to see what, how that <laughs> that chaos it ensues there. Um, Jeff, I appreciate uh, sharing your insight. How can our listeners learn more about uh, you, ISPN Network Services, and iGlass Networks? Yeah, thank you, Pete. Um, you could check out our website, so www.ispn.net or eyeglass.net um email me you can feel free to email me directly jeff at isbn.com um but uh but yeah websites are the best and uh and would love to to chat i am i'm super passionate about you know about this space and uh and just love uh making connections yeah no i appreciate joining the show thanks again and that's going to wrap up this episode of the broadband bunch and i want to thank everybody for listening uh, if you've made it this far, you're probably uh, into all things broadband like we are. Uh, if you get a chance, please check out our website at broadbandbunch.com. We have uh, multiple episodes released uh, weekly, some resources. And we'd really love for you to reach out and um, share your story with us. So you can reach out to us on the website. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>